together to focus on where Jesus is leading. Take a moment to speak it out loud over your life, your family, and our world. Now, let's read together. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well, good morning, Faith Church. Is it good to be in the house of the Lord? Yes. Awesome. That was, that was a good response. <laughs> it's good. Uh, if you're not in the house and you're joining us online, I want to say a special welcome to you. We value those of you who are watching online. Um, and in case you haven't figured it out uh, and you're new here, uh, I am not the lead pastor, Pastor Matthew. Uh, my name is Clayton. I'm on the pastoral team. And Pastor is, is still... Uh, at home recovering, he's doing well. And uh, for those of you who really miss his preaching, you can always listen on the Central Hub, but he will also be here next Sunday with us uh, to continue uh, speaking. So uh, also, uh, I also wanted to mention in, uh, in the way of pastors and staff, uh, October is Pastor and Staff Appreciation Month. So, so if you've been blessed by the pastors, the staff, and what they do, I would really, I'd encourage you uh, sometime this month, send a note, send an email, send a um, whatever you want to send them, uh, just to let them know that you really appreciate it. Because sometimes being in ministry can be hard, and man, it's always good to hear an encouraging word. Uh, even if you're not in ministry, it's good to hear an encouraging word. So, um, well, today... Uh, we are continuing in a collection of messages that is called the practice of hospitality. Um, so uh, in case you're kind of joined us maybe mid-year, uh, I, I kind of wanted to do a big recap, right? Because in 2021, we have been actually looking at a series of collections, and they've all been practiced, right? They've all been titled practice. I should get bonus points if you could tell me all of the things we're practicing this year. Does it, anybody can remember? Anybody think they could? I, I had to write. <laughs> I have it written down. So, uh, so we started this year looking at uh, the practice of prayer, okay? And then the next collection, we, we looked at the practice of worship. And then we went into the practice of obedience, and then for the summer, uh, we took a little break and we went through 1 Corinthians, and now we are in the practice of hospitality. Now, one of the reasons we do this is because um, uh, we live in a culture that uh, if you say you're a Christian, that can mean a lot of different things. Am I right? <laughs> okay. So, uh, so, so the Lord spoke to pastor and the leadership that what do we practice as a believer? And so this was important that we looked at these things and how do we practice them. And so, so we're in the series of practice of hospitality. That's where we're looking at. And now some of you might say, um, well, hospitality, how does that play into the gospel or being a believer? And um, well, <clears throat> I don't know if this is important, but in all four of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's only two stories that occur in all four of them. And that's Jesus at the wedding feast and Jesus feeding the 5,000. I would consider both of those as hospitality events. And so, like I said, I don't know that that means anything, but I think it's cool. So, and I'm talking, so I get to share that. Um, so, so today is uh, week six, and uh, we are looking at the, uh, 
the practice of hospitality through the lens of the Ten Commandments, right? So Israel, if you don't know the story of Israel, they had a little rocky beginning, and uh, they went on a 40-year camping trip. And uh, God kind of was like, and by the way, if you have ever been camping for more than two or three days, you know you need some ground rules, right? Okay. Um, and so God was like, listen, you're going to be here for a minute. And so uh, here are 10 rules to live by. And uh, so these are, uh, the first few are how to approach him. And then the ones we're getting into are how we approach each other. Okay. So these are highly relational, highly uh, hospitalitable. I, that's what I told Greg, I said, I'm going to make up words today. Um, so it relates to hos- hospitable. That's a good one. I'll take that. Um, but uh, English was not my major, so I'm sorry, English majors, but uh, just go with us on that. So, um, so, so number six that we're looking at uh, is, uh, so he gave us 10, right? So number six is uh, that we're going to... Th- that we need to understand in how to treat one another well. Uh, did anybody know what commandment six is? Anybody look ahead? Okay. Thou shalt not murder. All right. Well, thank you for coming today. Um, <clears throat> if you have any questions, our prayer team will be up here. Uh, <clears throat> when, when I got those four words, I thought, okay, well, what more is there to say, right? Like, thou shalt not kill. Well, it made the top 10 rules, right, of camping, so it's probably worth taking a look at. Um, I do think it is also important to, to mention at this point uh, that there, there is a difference uh, in Scripture because every once in a while we'll get this question uh, as it relates to, to war or maybe law enforcement, and there is a difference between murder and kill. Uh, the New King James Version has it, thou shalt not kill. But there's, there's a Hebrew word in there. I'm not going to unpack all of this, but that word could mean either one. Well, as the later transitions have come out, uh, it says thou shalt not murder, which is essentially the unlawful or unauthorized taking of a life. Okay? So that's the premise that we're operating on uh, today. So, um, by the way, I've told all my jokes because there's not a lot of jokes you can make about murder. So... Uh, and I, I did, however, I, I sent my connect group, uh, one of my connect groups, they said, hey, please pray for me. Uh, I'm trying to tell everybody not to murder. Uh, I don't think that's a hard case, but the immediate response was, well, pray for you. I'm sure you'll kill it. And I thought, well, that's, <laughs> that's so clever. Like, and it was fast, too. It was like right away. Like, it just brought great life to me. Um, speaking of which... <laughs> He's a funny guy. I don't know. Uh, uh, speaking of which, connect groups. Man, if you're not in a connect group, they bring so much life, and I would really encourage you to get into a connect group. Um, there is, it is a place of community that uh, is like no other, right? And so, uh, and we have connect groups going on, which you've heard for the last six weeks. I know we're probably getting a little tired of that promo, but we can't say it enough. We really love and value our connect group. So, um, all right, so, well, let's, let's get into this, all right? Now, I, like I said before, I'm really not concerned with our church struggling with the idea of, like, I'm going to murder, like, right? Like, I, I, that is not what I'm praying about. I'm not, like, really uh, too intense about that. But uh, this is really what was on my heart to, to kind of share about today is there is a pathway, okay? And so I kind of want to break down this idea of a pathway because... 
Um, most of us, well, if you are a planner, you might have the next 10 years of your life figured out, like and planned out. Like, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. You know who you are. But for most people, 10 years down the road, you are not planning to say, you know what, I'm going to be broke without a job and, you know, and struggle with uh, substance abuse. Like, that's probably not like on your list, right? But the decisions we're making today can lead to good, good or bad things down the road. And so, so we're going to take a look at this, this idea of a pathway because Jesus expands on this, this sixth commandment uh, as we're going to see here in just, in just a minute. So, um, so pathways in Scripture are not unique. If you look, if you've been reading Scriptures, you'll see a number of different pathways. And, and actually, I really like this. There's a, there's a verse in Jeremiah 6.16. And it says, stand at the crossroads and look. Right? Every time you make a choice, you're at a crossroads. And it says, uh, okay, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths and ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. Okay? So it, the scripture talks a lot about like this is a process, Right? Once you are become a believer and a follower of Jesus, that is not where it ends, right? There is a continual process that comes in gaining freedom and joy and, and a number of other things. And I want to, I'm going to pull out three processes just real quick to kind of give you this idea of processes or pathways that we can walk on. Uh, in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That's a whole another message in itself. But, okay, so we know, consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds. So right there, we know that this is a process that's going to repeat itself, okay? Why? I'm glad you asked. Um, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Then it goes on to say, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Um, a few, few verses later in James 1 uh, a few verses later, like I said, in 13 through 15, this is talking about the process or the pathway that sin has in our life. And it says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own desire and enticed. Then, after, uh, after it, the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And then sin, when it is full grown, it gives birth to death, okay? So it tells us the pathway uh, as it relates to sin. Uh, okay, there's one more pathway that I want to show you. This is in 2 Peter 1, 4 through 9. And it says, for this very reason, okay? The very reason is worth reading about in 2 Peter. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, okay? So this is an action item for us as believers, Make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. And then I love verse 8. It says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of who Jesus is, Okay. So we are all on pathways, right? We are all in process. Some of us don't, 
I don't like the process. I like, it, I like just to get to the end, right? I want to be there. I want to be finished. I want to be fixed. I want to not struggle or wrestle. I don't know if that's true for anybody else, but, um, but I think today when we understand the process that leads to murder, it might bring some freedom for some people because, um, well, let's just take a look, all right? So you have murder, right? Okay, like I said, I'm not too concerned about people in here, but uh, so what precedes the idea of murder? Okay, what precedes the idea of murder is hate, okay? So we see that hate precedes murder, and we look, we look at some of you might be familiar with the story of Joseph. It's in Genesis 37, 4 through 5, and it says, this is scripture, this is kind of telling about Joseph's situation. It says, but when the brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him. And could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. Okay? Um, and then just a few verses later, in Genesis 37, verse 18, it says, Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Uh, Joseph's life is a really interesting study. We're not going to develop that. I just wanted to show you that there was hate before murder began conceived or began to they began to conspire against him to kill him um, also in the law the law portion of scripture deuteronomy 19 11 through 12 this is when uh god gave them okay this is the law these are some uh ways to to live and how you should live righteously uh, it says but if anyone hates his neighbor lies and waits for him rises against him and strikes him mortally they can be handed over to the avenger of blood, which basically was capital punishment, okay? Um, and so, so, so they were making the case that hate is the justification of capital punishment in a murder trial, okay? All right, so, so we know that hate precedes murder, all right? Now, what precedes hate? Uh, and we're going to go to Scripture again. In anger precedes hate. Now, I know this is a sensitive one for some, and we're going we're gonna to spend a minute here. Um, before, you get, before you hate someone, you get angry with them. Genesis 4, 3 through 8, this is the recording of, the, of the, the first murder. It only took us four chapters, if that tells you anything about the nature of, of unredeemed flesh. Um, and in, so, so the scripture says, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn. Cain and Abel were brothers. Uh, Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel in his offering, but he did not respect Cain in his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Now, I, I wish I had another Sunday to preach on this. Then the Lord said, why are you angry? You know, if you haven't figured this out, when God asks you a question, it's not because he really needs an answer, okay? He's asking it because you need to know the answer, and I, we'll circle back around to that here in a minute. Uh, why are you angry, and why are you looking down? Will not your face be happy if you do well? And if you, if you do not do well, then sin is waiting to destroy you. Its desire is to rule over you, but you must rule over it. Verse 8, Cain told his brother about Abel. But when they were in the field, Cain stood up against his brother, Abel, and killed him. All right? Now, I, I do want to, to mention here, anger isn't 
necessarily the sin because there, we know in, there's a verse in Ephesians that actually says you can ang- be angry and not sin. Okay, so just because you're angry, um, it doesn't necessarily mean you're sinning. We're talking about the kind of anger that is heading you in a bad direction. I think we probably could tell the difference if you have had anger before. Um, and so I wanted to, to bring that up. Uh, one of the reasons that we, um, well, how do we put it? I'm not going to ask you if you've been angry before, but I'm going to say we probably have all had the opportunity to be around anger, whether it is your own or from somebody else's. And um, just a few weeks ago, I sort of had this revelation in that, um, that I, well, I had this revelation that I was not without anger, okay? I'm going to use myself because I don't want to have any hands raised. Um, the, when I found out that I was not without anger is, um, well, I have four children, and um, it would be easy to blame my children for making me angry, right? Have, have we heard that said, oh, so-and-so made me angry, or Oh, my kids, they, well, I want to, I want to, I want to suggest something to you that, um, that that anger was probably already there. Remember that verse we read just a few minutes ago that says, you will face trials of many kinds? I, in my brain, I see that as a squeezing, right? When we get pressed, what is on the inside of us comes out of us, okay? And so... Um, so, so parents, give grace to your children. You are being tested, and well, you know that, right? All right, but let's have a little bit of, of freedom, and let's but let's look where the real, real anger is. Um, all right. So, now the the other the the piece of the anger there is it's unresolved anger, and there are ways to resolve that anger. And anger is a really complex thing, and um, I don't have the space and the time to dig into that, but if you are struggling with that unresolved anger, this is where you take it to the Lord, because there are people who have been wonderfully delivered from that anger that they are struggling with. If you don't feel like you can have freedom by yourself and with Jesus, connect, like if you can't like figure out how to have that conversation, connect with your connect group leader, you know, visit with a pastor. Um, it's that, that important. Um, to, to take care of that. All right, so all right, so we've got murder, and we've got hate that precedes murder. We've got anger that precedes hate. Have you ever thought about what precedes anger? What, I mean, you're just like, well, I know what makes me mad. Often, it's offense, all right? Okay, now I'm a little sorry if I step on any toes, but I'm not because we're better together, right? So we... This is something that we need to talk about. And there's a big, we need to talk about this. All right, so Cain was offended at God because his offering was not good enough. Have we ever been offended at somebody because somebody thought we weren't good enough? Okay, all right. There's, there's a really good chance that we all have, all right? Matthew 24.10, now this is really important. This is Jesus is speaking and he says, then many of them will be offended, betray one another, and will hate one another. So you see the progression again, right? And it begins with offense. Now, this idea of offense, I think, is, is also really worth talking about because I think we have slapped the word offense on lots of things. 
I don't even know that we really know what it means yet, right? We are offended if the drive-thru took too long. We are offended when we're driving, right? We are offended because our steak came out not quite done right, right? We, I think, throw that word around, but I don't know that we really know what it means. And it's important to know what it means um, in, in our lives, okay? Uh, this idea of, uh, so I went to the dictionary because I was like, well, what is it? What does the dictionary say about it? So the first, de- so there's like, there's like six definitions. First of all, I was like, no wonder we're all confused, right? Um, okay, so the first definition is something that outrages the moral or physical sense, okay? Now, here's the, I, I, I kind of want to address this because I feel like I, I was just speaking to the Lord about this, and I, I just, like, there's almost a sense of, like, people are just offended, and I don't even know that they know why. It's almost like there's something in the air right now. You know, it's like, what are you offended at? Oh, the government. Well, but, but what? Well, because they did what? Does that affect you? Well, no, but, <laughs> right? It's like, like there's this, this um, you know, maybe it's not the government. Maybe it's, maybe it's the schools. Maybe it's America. Maybe it's the state of where we are. That I, I just get this sense that believers are just... Uh, like offended, like there's this, this angst. And, and I think that some of it is because things aren't going the way we want it to. And that's why we get offended, right? Um, when uh, I used to teach public speaking class at the college, and uh, this was one of my favorite conversations about offense, right? Because um, uh, many, many years ago, I just decided I'm not going to be offended, like, I don't know, uh, I, and I think that probably, that was a process that didn't just happen overnight, but I was like, why, why be offended? Like, uh, people, so my, my really probably inadequate definition is uh, you get offended when something else believes in something more strongly than you believe in it. And I'm like, if they want to believe the sky's green, that's okay. That's not going to offend me. You know, I will let them, you know, I'm not going to argue about that. It's interesting, some of the arguments that come out. You know, I was like, why are you, what, why are you even arguing about that? That doesn't even matter. So, um, so anyway, so we had some really great conversation about offense and realized that really um, what it really drills down, okay, we're going to, one more thing that precedes offense is unmet expectation, okay? And so we have uh, hate precedes murder, anger precedes hate, uh, and then offense precedes anger, and unmet expectations precede offense, all right? Now, run that through your own filter. Probably, I think you would probably like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. When I got married, I had some expectations, okay? I also had some expectations I didn't know that I had (laughs) until they were met, um, like with some resistance, not resistance, but done a different way. My beautiful wife is over here, and we joke about this all the time. And it was this, this, I had an expectation of organization, all right? Now, she is very organized, but she has an organization that is a little different from mine. When I consider, so I'll give you the example, we, we, you know, when, this is concerning scissors, right? We have multiple scissors in our house. My version of organization all the scissors should be in the same place. So when I want a pair of scissors, I can go to that place and they will always be there. Now, she uh, manages, she's got four kids at home. She used to be an elementary classroom teacher. Her version of organization is there is a pair of scissors in every room in the house. (laughs) 
That works for her because she knows where they are, but I can never find a pair of scissors, right? So uh, now we laugh about it, but there's a moment it wasn't a laughing matter, okay? And so I think this is true for uh, unmet expectations and or unfulfilled expectations. And I think sometimes that's why we get offended with people and not just people. And here's the important part is some of us get offended at Jesus, because he doesn't fill an expectation that we have with him, all right? Uh, this is really, and now, Jesus was not concerned with offending people, because when you are focused on the truth, the truth is the truth, right? And he was there to speak the truth, and um, that is our work, however, is to be careful that our expectations when running up against the truth, we don't get offended, all right? Um, We see this in scripture um, that, actually, before we get there, this is kind of also really an interesting thing. Uh, The word offense comes from the Greek word scandalon, okay? So not to get too Greeky on you, but uh, this is super interesting. And the, the definition of scandalon is defined by to put a snare like in the way to cause to stumble or simply put a stumbling block, right? So biblically speaking, when you have unfulfilled expectations and you give into offense, you've essentially, you've walked into a stumbling block, right? Somebody drops something, okay, and you stumble on it, all right? Now, the interesting thing about this this stumbling block is, okay, once we recognize it, there are several things we can do with it, okay? Now, some people have gotten really good about picking this block up and carrying it. And then they actually get good about collecting stumbling blocks. Like, it's really fascinating. And then they get excited. They want to show off their stumbling blocks. They're like, hey, did you see? Check this out. And they're like, well, yeah, how old is it? Well, it's like 20 years old, but like, listen, okay? And this stumbling block gets, gets heavy, if you don't treat it right. Just a minute ago, we talked about anger needs to be resolved. When we come across a stumbling block, we need to resolve it, not hold on to it. If it is an unmet expectation. Um, when we practice being offended in this life, we practice becoming offended with Jesus. And all right. And that is not the pathway we want to go on, right? Remember, we're talking about pathways. Proverbs 18, 19 says, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And that is true. Um, There's actually one scripture that, uh, I'm sorry, there is one character in the Bible that is actually referred to as a stumbling block and a rock of offense. Anybody know who they're talking about? How'd you like that for a title? Hey, this is my uh, rock of offense. (laughs) Anybody know? They're actually talking about Jesus. In Romans 9.13, it says, As it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and who, and who, uh, you could actually translate that, but whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. See, Jesus' words are offensive if we are not in a right posture, right? Okay, if we are on a pathway that is filled with self, then 
that the truth is the truth, right? But it can be a stumbling block for some and a foundation from which we build for others, right? It's how we receive that truth, all right? Uh, Matthew eleven sixteen, Jesus said, blessed is he who is not offended because of me, right? One of the reasons we're talking about this and one of the reasons why thou shalt not murder is so important is because Jesus's words can be highly offensive. I've, I've heard this said, I don't remember where, but, uh, you know, they said, you know, you don't crucify Mr. Rogers. When Jesus was speaking the truth, he had, his words were, could be offensive if their hearts were not made alive with him. All right? So, we've talked about the pathway to murder, but this is the good news, is that Jesus has made an exit ramp anywhere along that pathway. <laughs> That's a great place to say amen. Jesus made a way, Right? Now, I'm not saying that, um, that maybe offense in itself is wrong or a sin. It's what we do with that. Are we chasing down this pathway that doesn't lead to life, right? Or there's another pathway that is over here. Have you guys ever been on a roller coaster and you see those exits like right at the last minute? You're like, I've decided this is not the path I want to be on. There's way too much screaming going on. I want a way out right? When Jesus died on the cross, he gave us a way out, right? Um, I want to read that, that passage that I started with again. Jeremiah 6, 16, it says, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths and ask where the good way is, right? The first step of getting onto the good way is walking in forgiveness, right? This path over here, sorry, all of you, I'm not, <laughs> like, you, you're in a good path over here, like, you can be in a good path, I was like, this is not the bad path, but this path over here, right? You can exit whenever you want. Now, some of you are like, oh, I've tried, I've forgiven, and I am still angry. Listen, how long have you been on that path, right? This is a path to forgiveness, this is where the path begins is forgiveness, right? It doesn't mean that you will be free from these characteristics that you have picked up on that path. This path is where it helps shed off those characteristics, right? And you are right. Forgiveness is sometimes cannot be easy. It's simple, but it doesn't mean that it's easy. But listen to this. Forgiveness is what leads to a better path, which is which is love. Matthew 5, 43 and 44 says, you've heard that it was said, right? He's referring to another commandment. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Wow. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That's hard work. How do we do that? Because some of you are like, I'm, I remember so-and-so, and I'm not, mm-mm. Okay, understand that. How do we forgive? We forgive when we understand grace. Okay? We forgive when we understand grace. 
Um, and this is where it gets really, really little tricky. You can't give what you don't have. Right? So if you're struggling with forgiveness, it could quite, or forgiving someone, it's entirely possible and probable that you are struggling with being forgiven. If you feel like you have a relationship with God, that you feel like you have to earn his forgiveness, then then you will translate that to relationally to others. And that's what he's like, that's what my grace is for. Um, Colossians, uh, Colossians, actually, let me say this real quick. Forgiveness simply means release or pardon. I like release better because a pardon makes it kind of sound like what they did was okay. Nobody's saying when you forgive or give somebody grace that it makes it okay. It just means that you're releasing them, right? And it makes the scripture in Colossians a lot more powerful. Colossians 2, 13 and 14, it says, when you were dead in your trespasses. Get that. When you were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature. By the way, that is what is offensive. When you hear the words of truth, it's your, your sinful nature that's offended. That's why we need grace to walk on this path. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our trespasses, having canceled the debt that was ascribed to us and the decrees that stood against us. He took it away, nailing it on the cross. So, it's really great to avoid this path that leads to murder, but it's even better to be on this path. But it starts, it starts at the cross, and it starts with an understanding that the grace for your life was unearned and unmerited. Like, there was nothing you could do to, to get that. You receive that, right? And we today as believers, this is how we walk like in love. This is how we show hospitality to those around us. But we can't if we don't have it, right? So would you, today as we, we kind of close this, you should have communion with us or with you. Go ahead and peel that back. And as we, as we kind of think through this, this message, uh, some of you may have looked ahead and you're like, well, great, I don't, I don't struggle with murder, so I'm good. I can just kind of check out. And, uh, but, but I want to invite you as, you know, the, the communion elements, the bread represents Jesus' body on the cross. His forgiveness towards you. His grace towards you. Literally, right from scripture, canceling the debt that was ascribed to you. So just, we're just going to take just a minute as we think about this just ask if there's anything in you that's um, maybe you've never actually received that maybe you've never received that that grace that forgiveness and if you want to talk to us we're going to have a prayer team down here right as soon as we're finished i want to invite you to come come down pray with us if you're struggling forgiving somebody we're going to have a prayer team right up right following this we want to, we, we are with you in this. This isn't a you're a bad person. Well, we're all bad people, right? But we've been forgiven. But this is not a con- condemning word to you. We're, we, 
we've all gone through a process like this. This is the process that, that Jesus has invited us into, right? So as we, as we think about what he's done for us, think about what you are giving out. And are you giving out what has been given? So just think about that for just 20 seconds and ask his help if you're unable to, to walk out what has been given to you. Let's take and eat that together. The blood that came from Jesus as he died in our place is an act of ultimate love and sacrifice. We again have an opportunity. And just as you're thinking about his blood, and you know, this is a choice that he made, just like every one of us in here, we have a choice. When we come upon a stumbling block, we have a choice. When we and, and some of this, this is applying to your own life. Some of there's some things that maybe you feel like you can't forgive yourself or some grace that you haven't had. You've got to, I tell you what, you snuggle up. I know that's a weird, that may be weird for some of you. Snuggle up with Jesus. He will set you free. So think about as we, as you take this, process that. Is there any areas in your life that, uh, that you just want to confess? Just say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Jesus, forgive me. Take 20 seconds and do that. feel encouraged if you need prayer uh, whether you're online or in the house if you're online send us a message we want to pray with you you are not forgotten uh, if you're in the house I want to invite you to pray let's just I just want to pray real quick father we thank you for your love we thank you that you explain these pathways to us you teach us through your word your truth not mystical it's not hidden um, you plainly you make it plain father we are grateful for your joy for your love for your passion towards us uh, breathe on us as we walk out of here today and we love you in jesus name amen amen thanks so much for choosing to participate online with us this morning wherever you are watching from today at home at school somewhere else please know that you are a valuable part of the church if you're watching right now and want someone to pray with you, please send us a direct message or submit a prayer request through the Central Hub at faithchurchchaos.org. We would love to pray with you. The Central Hub has many different great resources. It's a place you can rewatch or listen to past sermons, RSVP for Growth Track, give securely, and many other next steps. We are also looking for online hosts. If you think this is something you may be called to do, please send us a direct message through any of our social sites. We'd love to connect and give you additional information. I pray God blesses you richly this week, and we hope you feel like you belong and have a place here at Faith Church. See you soon.
Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you're if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see it in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.